is through Jesus Christ. But in Jesus, there are many ways that we can connect with God. The church has done a disservice, I think, to people over the years. And, and we have implied that people must connect with the Lord in the same way that the pastor or the worship leader connects with God. But people connect with God in many different ways, some through movement and some through communication and some through worship and adoration. There are so many ways to connect with the Lord. And MC Connect is the process that we have put together to help you discover how you best connect with God. You just text the word connect to 59090. This is your first step to joining Mercy Culture Church and to begin to serve and get connected and plugged in. And it is also the way in which we disciple people into daily encounters with the Lord. I hope that you will join us in that process. You can text the word notes to that same number on your screen, 59090, to get everything that is in front of me sent to you. 2022, the prophetic word for this year over this house, it is the year of expanding territory. Say expanding territory. It is a First Chronicles 4.10 year. And so Jabez called upon the Lord God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. I hope that you're praying this prayer over your family every day. This is the word of the Lord over this house for this year, and that means it's the word of God over your house. That you'd bless me indeed and enlarge and expand my territory, that your hand of favor might be upon me, that you would keep me from all harm and evil, that it might not bring me pain. You expand spiritual territory through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you connect with God and others connect with God through the gifts that are in operation in your life. I'll quickly go through the nine gifts of the Spirit and a simple definition for each of them. Wisdom is the supernatural application of God's Word. I preached about wisdom last week. If you weren't here, go on to our podcast. Search Mercy Culture Waco and you'll find it. Knowledge, the supernatural ability to know and understand the mysteries of heaven. July 10th, Will Ford will be with us in the tent, July 10th. Come on. He's going to be preaching on the gift of knowledge. Faith, the ability to believe God for the impossible. Healing, the journey of wholeness of a person's mind, body, or spirit to operate in the way God intended. Miracles or supernatural power, the manifestation of the impossible. Prophecy, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to edify, warn, announce, or reveal the future. Pastor Matt Wakefield, who is with us tonight will be with us in a few short weeks and ministering on the gift of prophecy. Can't wait for that. Discerning between the spirits, the ability to know by what spirit a person is motivated to know what spirit is in operation. Tongues, the ability to pray the mysteries of God and strengthen the spirit of a man through a heavenly language. And interpretation of tongues, the supernatural ability to understand and receive revelation from a language you did not learn. I'm going to dive into this, but I forgot something. It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Have all the dads just stand up to your feet if you're a father in this room. Come on, let's honor fathers today. That's right. My own dad, my father is here tonight. Can we honor my dad? The most faithful man that I know. I'm grateful that he's my father. All the dads, take a deep breath, breathe in, breathe out. I'm not going to beat you up today. How many of you are tired of going to church on Father's Day and the dads just get beat up? The moms are, oh, you're so wonderful. Dad's like, step it up. Let's go. 
I'm not going to beat you up today. It's a good day. Thank you for all that you do, dads, and for how you're pouring into this next generation. I want to give you a warning tonight before we begin. Rejection of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a strategy from Satan to keep you from expanding spiritual territory. I don't believe in Satan. Well, he believes in you. And he has a strategy to stop you from doing what God has you to do. And he has a strategy to prevent you from expanding spiritual territory. And the same vile, evil, demonic spirit of religion that resisted the gifts of the spirit when Jesus was walking on the earth is the same evil spirit of religion that resists the gifts of the spirit today. You see, that's why there are entire doctrines built around the idea that the Holy Spirit no longer gives his gifts to us today. You'll have entire churches, denominations, and doctrines that will tell you you cannot prophesy, you cannot speak in tongues, you cannot edify, you cannot have miracles and healings and signs and wonders because they're not available for us today. That is the same vile, demonic spirit of religion that tried to... to, to come against Jesus and his ministry on the earth. We find tonight the gift of discerning between the spirits in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. It says it's the ability to distinguish between spirits. The ability to know by what spirit a person is motivated or to know by what, what spirit is in operation. Very simply put, discerning between the spirits is the ability to know, is this God or not? How many of you wish that you knew in every situation if this was God or not? Folks, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that just happens by accident. It's a gift that the Bible teaches us to earnestly seek after the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So many in the Spirit-filled church, we seek after prophecy. We seek after healing. We seek after miracles. We want to be able to lay hands on the sick and prophesy and get people to shout. But we have a lot of foolish people, people without discernment, people without wisdom, people without knowledge. We've got to seek after all of the gifts. And this gift of discerning between the Spirit will help you to operate in the rest of the gifts. Discernment is that quiet voice that we all have within our spirit. Unfortunately, one of the ways that we grow in the gift of discernment is through mistakes. That's just, such is life. Anybody ever went to buy a car and you had that little, you had that little check in your spirit you really should be buying this car I know this car smells good and looks good you really should be buying this car and then two years later you hear the beep 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 see some of y'all laugh because you know some of you never been through nothing and you hear the uh oh there's that car being towed away that the Holy Spirit told me not to buy two years ago that's that gift of discernment anybody anybody ever been on a first date and you're sitting across from some fine looking woman or some good-looking man, and you know in your spirit, I'm hearing that small, still voice, run away. <laughs> but you said, get thee behind me, Satan. You said, be quiet, they're looking too good. That, my friend, was the gift of discerning between the spirits. You saw that the Holy Spirit was whispering to us that warning in our spirit. And then it usually doesn't take two years. It usually takes just a couple months. And you realize, man, I should have ran away on that first date when the Holy Spirit told me to. If you have any wisdom at all, you will learn from your mistakes. You will say, well, I won't let that happen again. 
I'm not going to take that job again. I'm not going to ignore that warning in my spirit again. And another way that we, that the gift of discerning between the spirits is combated in our life is through outside forces. There will be demonic voices that disguise themselves as the voice of the Holy Spirit that will keep you from listening to God's voice. This happened to Nikki and I. We were on staff and serving in a place and it was, uh, there was a spirit of Jezebel that was in operation very powerfully. If you don't know about the spirit of Jezebel, um, get Pastor Landon, our senior lead pastor and founder of Mercy Culture in Fort Worth. He wrote a book called Jezebel, The Witch is Back. Go get it. I think we have some in the store. Buy it before you leave. Get the book. If you can't afford it, we'll give it to you. And it's a, it's a powerful uh, book that describes what the spirit of Jezebel is, and everybody needs to read it. But we were experiencing the spirit of Jezebel in operation, and there was incredible and immense spiritual warfare and manipulation and abuse. You see, some of us need discerning between the spirits because a lot of us are calling spiritual abuse what is actually spiritual leadership. A lot of people, as soon as you're told to do something that you don't want to do in in a house that you said you've been submitted to, all of a sudden, that's spiritual abuse. And now you got to deconstruct. And now you got to hurt. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm abused. They told me not to, not to do this. They told me I could, I had to wait before I started this ministry. That's spiritual abuse. That's not spiritual abuse. That's spiritual leadership. And you are undiscerning, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But there is such thing as real and actual spiritual abuse, and we were dealing with it. And it was four and a half years of spiritual abuse that we were fighting and dealing with. And it came, uh, there was so much confusion swirling around in our minds. And every time I was just about to tell, I didn't even tell my wife the things that we're dealing with. She was discerning, but I didn't tell her. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell the people closest to me. And right when I was about to pick up the phone and call my dad or go home and just spill everything to my wife, I would get a text message or I'd get called into the office with a prophetic word. And it would be right on. Don't give up. Hold on. You're a giant killer. Don't stop now. What was that? That was a demonic spirit that was disguising itself as the voice of the Holy Spirit to do what? To get me to ignore the gift of discerning between the spirits. Now when we're dealing with this witchcraft and spiritual abuse that we deal with sometimes, it can be a little easier to discern that, but my question is can you discern the spirit of offense on your life? Can you discern when leaders in your life are speaking out on issues of justice and righteousness and it offends you because it doesn't align with your political viewpoint, can you discern the spirit of offense? Ah, see, nobody wants to talk about that. Can you, you see, last week I talked about the the gift of wisdom and I said a lot of people use fear and change the word to wisdom. They are walking in fear and they call it in wisdom. A lot of people are walking in the spirit of offense, but they call it discernment. A lot of people are offended and call that discernment when really there are people that are calling you to a higher place of justice. Can you discern between the spirits? Can you discern a spirit of gossip and slander? When that person says, I really shouldn't be telling you this, but do you just stop in that moment and go, don't go any further. If you shouldn't be telling me this, don't tell me. 
Can you discern when you have somebody in your life that you may even enjoy spending time with that draws out gossip and slander out of you? If you've ever looked at a friend of yours and said, I shouldn't be telling you this, but, and they say, come on, tell me about it. Tell me anyways. That's a spirit. And we like to talk a lot about abominations and we like to talk a lot about the sins that maybe you don't deal with, but we don't talk about the abomination of the sin of gossip and slander and sowing discord among the brethren. It is an abomination. And God says in the Bible that he hates those that sow discord among the brethren. How many of you want to be hated by God? I didn't think so. There are some biblical examples of walking in discerning between the spirits. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And it says, And he, it's Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You see, the disciples and Jesus were on a boat, and Jesus was sound asleep. He was resting in the back. I love Jesus. And I love just seeing the peace that he walked in and the total, complete lack of fear that he walked in in his life. He was asleep. He was sitting on the back of the boat asleep. They're freaking out. They're running across the bow of the boat. They're looking at the wind and the rain and the storms and the lightning and the thunder instead of the spirit behind the storm. And they went to wake Jesus up and I can just see Jesus. <sighs> I was really sleeping. Every, uh, it's like that feeling that Nikki and I get every night, it seems like, with my precious three-year-old, that I feel a lot of flesh when she wakes me up at 4 a.m. The parents are laughing. Those of you that aren't parents may be looking at me in judgment. Just have a couple kids. We'll see. Come back and talk to me. You want to throw them right through the window. But you don't. But you don't. And so this... Jesus was probably frustrated with the disciples and he woke up and he went out and instead of looking at the circumstances that were around the boat, what did he do? He discerned the spirit behind it and he said, peace be still. We see in Mark chapter nine, verse 25, it says, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, say spirit. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. See, he didn't just look at the ailment of the individual and allow his compassion for the ailment of the individual to cloud his discernment to see the spirit behind the sickness. We see in Mark chapter 9, verse 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, the Bible says, he said to them, why do you think evil in your heart? So Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, the leaders of the religious movement at that time. And the Bible says that he knew what was in their hearts. When I was praying into this and reading the scripture, I was saying, Lord, I would love to know what was in people's hearts. I would love to be able to have the discernment to know what was in people's hearts. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you do, you're just too afraid to tell them. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, we've all been in situations where somebody's telling us something and we know what's in their hearts. But we don't what? Watch this. We don't trust the gift of discerning between the spirits in our lives enough to speak what we're discerning. 
But Jesus had such trust in the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine that the feeling he had, the knowing of the evil thoughts in their mind was any different than the feeling that you have when somebody has evil thoughts in their mind. The difference is Jesus trusted the voice of the Holy Spirit in his life more than we do. Ah. And he called it out. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. This is Jesus with the disciples, and he's telling them how he is going to go and give his life and be crucified on a cross. And Peter, our good man Peter, flew off the handle again. And Peter said, let it, let it, it can't be, Jesus. It can't be. It, it, it can't happen. Far be it unto you to sacrifice yourself, to die on the cross. No, 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 no. And what did Jesus do? Jesus looked beyond the face of his friend and he looked at the spirit behind the motivation. He said, get behind me, Satan. Now, was Peter an evil man? No. Was Peter somebody who was going to hell and demon-possessed and doing evil and wanted to cause Jesus harm? No. Peter was simply influenced by Satan in a moment. And Jesus loved Peter enough to be kind instead of just nice. Because niceness would dictate that he goes, oh, Peter, really want to, listen, let me, let me take 45 minutes and train you. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to lean into kindness and not just niceness. And I'm going to call out the spirit. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Had Jesus been weak and listened to the voice of his friend, he may have been distracted from the purpose and the calling of the Savior of the universe. What prevented that? Discerning between the spirits. We've all had seasons and situations in our lives where you know something is off in the spirit. You ever been bickering with your spouse? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say bickering. It's like you don't know why you're fighting, right? There's like this fight going on and you don't really know why and everything they do is getting on your nerves. Don't look at them. I'm looking at some of y'all like this. Get thee behind me, Satan, right? It's just like everything. Nikki and I were in a season... And there was just, it was like a couple of months that went by and Alex was a little baby and everything was getting on our nerves, like everything. It was just biting and, and short and harsh and we were just babies, like little, little babies. We were just babies in our early 20s and just not leaning into the gift of discernment. And finally, after like two and a half, three months goes by, I finally asked the Holy Spirit. Remember when I said earlier that you have to make mistakes for you to grow in the gift of discernment? I know from whence I speak. So I was leaning in and asking the Holy Spirit, what is going on? Why every time she says good morning, it, it feels like nails on a chalkboard? Why when I say, how are you, baby, she wants to punch me in the throat? What is happening? Why are we fighting? Why did I say, hey, did, did, do you know if my black shirt is clean? And What happened? What's going on? And the Holy Spirit immediately took me to a show. This was back in the day when we had this little box that went underneath our TV. And you actually had to wait for things to come on television at a certain time. It was called cable. And cable also had this little thing called a DVR. It's a digital video recorder. You had to wait. You put it on. You set it. You wait for it to come on at Tuesdays at 6. Then you get home and you could watch it later and fast forward through the commercials. Y'all remember that? We've come a long way, baby. 
And there was a show that we liked, and the Holy Spirit showed me it in that DVR and said, there's a spirit, there's a demonic spirit on that show. Delete it right now. It will drive out the spirit that's in operation in your marriage. So we went, we deleted it, we prayed, we sought the Lord, we took communion, and there was that spirit was broken off of our lives. What is that? That is discerning between the spirits. You see, we often focus on what's being said instead of the spirit behind it. We are looking at the words coming out of somebody's mouth instead of what is the spirit? What is the thing that I'm feeling? Good things aren't always said in a good spirit. We see this in Acts chapter 16. Verses 16 through 18, it says, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, these are the disciples. No, this is Paul. Paul was going and he said, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. She was a fortune teller and she made a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. She was bringing her masters much profit. Verse 17, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, did she say anything wrong? Did she say anything evil or untrue? No, she was proclaiming the truth over these men of God. She was telling the people, they are servants of the Most High, proclaiming the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. Say greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out in that very moment. We must be able to discern when people say good things that are not of God. But again, we've got this nagging issue of being nice instead of kind. Because the niceness would tell us to turn around to the little girl and thank you for proclaiming the truth of the word of God. But kindness is speaking to the demonic spirit that has her gripped and commanding it to come out in Jesus' name. So Paul was discerning between the spirits. I believe when I was studying for this message, I feel like the Lord spoke to me and told me that he is going to set some of you free from evil spirits that are saying good things. Some of you have evil spirits that are in operation in your life or through the lives of other people that are telling you good things, but they're evil. And you have felt something off, but you haven't had the faith in the voice of the Holy Spirit enough in your life to tell them. Because the enemy will do everything to keep you from listening to the voice of the Father. Because if you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and have the faith to do what he told you to do, you cannot fail. It's impossible. So what is the enemy going to attack? Your ability to hear God's voice and to have the faith to do it. He's going to tell you that you're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. You sinned. You made a mistake. You were speeding. You cut somebody off on the highway. You Maybe you did something much worse than that. All of these things, you can't hear the voice of God. Stop. Address that lying spirit and listen to God's voice. And if you are in a situation where even somebody is saying something to you that is good and right and true, but you discern something is off, I want to give you some practical advice tonight. Tell them what you feel. 
tell the person. Say, hey, I don't know what's up. I feel something is off. Can we just invite the Holy Spirit into this conversation? And if somebody gets frustrated with you for inviting the Holy Spirit into the conversation, then you got your answer. Invite the Holy Spirit. Can we, let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. Why? Because no spirit can stand when the Holy Spirit comes into the room. Ah. Discerning between the spirits says this in the amplified version, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. It is, says it is the ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. Discerning in the Greek, it's diakrisis. It is the act of judgment, properly a thorough judgment. Example is a discernment conclusion which distinguishes lookalikes from the things that are actually true. If Satan can convince you that Christians don't judge, he will convince you to be undiscerning. Mm. Uh-oh. Did you feel that? So I'm teaching you. We, we've been doing this as we've been entering into God's presence and in worship and in pre-service prayer and even in messages. I want to teach us as a congregation how to discern between the spirits and how to steward God's presence in a presence-driven house. And just now, I felt resistance. It was some resistance and some confusion. When I said, if the enemy can teach you or convince you that Christians don't judge, he will convince you to be undiscerning. Why? Because we have been taught that Christians don't judge anything. So somebody asked me, do you judge? Yes, I judge. Why? Because without judgment is confusion. And confusion leads to moral confusion. And if you cannot judge values, principles, morals, purity, and righteousness, you will be a fool. We have to judge who is in leadership. We have to judge who it is that we're voting for. We have to judge where we get our wisdom from. Proverbs 29.2 said, when the righteous rule, say righteous, the people what? Rejoice. But when the wicked rule, say wicked, the people groan. Mm. You see, we have millions and millions of Christians who are so undiscerning, they are voting and looking to wi for wisdom to wicked people. And what's happening? We are groaning. We as a nation are groaning because wickedness has been exalted into the highest places in our country. But we need to understand what is biblical judgment. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged. This is the scripture that everybody quotes, Matthew chapter 7. It's the one scripture people know. It's like John 3, 16, Jesus wept, and judge not lest ye be judged, right? You're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. Excuse, uh, hey, can you not um, have men dressed as women, take their clothes off for five-year-olds at my kid's school and shake their privates in the face of my children. Judge not, lest ye be judged. You're not a Christian. You're not loving. Ah. No, 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 no. 
Verse 2 goes on. It says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? Now, this is Jesus speaking. Who is, to whom is he speaking? He is speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And the Bible says that the Pharisees devised uh, rules and responsibility that they made up in their own minds and taught them to the people as commands from God. And then they held people to a standard that they themselves could not, it's okay, the kids are having fun, just focus here. They held, they held people to a standard that even they could not live up to. Jesus goes on to say, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He is teaching people, remove the sin from your life, take the log from your eyes so that you can see clearly and what? Discern or judge clearly what's in your brother's eye. You see, God's entire plan for us was a plan to be ruled by priests and judges. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, we see this. And it says, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all nations. This is the children of Israel. The people of Israel are crying out to Samuel. We don't want judges and priests anymore. We want to be ruled by a king. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the, obey the voice of of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. What did they do? They rejected the word of God. Listen, when you reject the word of God, you reject the lordship of Jesus. Verse 8 says, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Listen, if you won't be judged, you will be ruled. Samuel was telling the children of Israel, God has appointed judges and priests, spiritual leaders to help discern the spirits and lead and guide and direct you. They said, we don't want them. We want to be ruled by the spirit of man. Hmm. You see, we're called to judge while not being judgmental. What does that mean? It means you don't take your preference and call that righteousness. You see, a lot of people come in and they have a preference of what kind of music they like or what kind of, what kind of graphics they want to see at a church or what dress they think is appropriate or how many tattoos or lack of tattoos or the hairstyle or this or that or the other. This is what's appropriate. And they call that righteous judgment. It's not righteous judgment. It's being judgmental. For John chapter 7 verse 24 says, judge not according to the what? Appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Say righteous judgment. You see, we are called to use the word of God to judge our lives and then to judge the body of Christ. What is righteousness? Righteousness is to be, to do, and to live right in God's eyes. 
I've got a question for you. Are you spiritually immature? Let's go to the word, Hebrews chapter five, verse 13. It says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. Their powers of discernment, what? Their powers of discernment trained by what? Constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, the spiritual immature, the spiritually immature don't have the ability to distinguish good from evil because they have bought the lie that Christians cannot judge. That Christians are not even supposed to distinguish good from evil. Why? Because they don't want anyone to judge them. They refuse to judge or discern anything else. Discerning between the spirits helps us to judge what spirit is in operation. It's important to note and ask yourself this question, what is it that I'm judging? Am I judging people or am I judging spirits? Am I judging the person? Am I wrestling against flesh and blood or am I judging the spirit? Am I crossing over from judging between good and evil and righteousness and unrighteousness into dishonor and gossip and slander about a person? You can stand firm on what is righteous and holy with our president while still not walking in dishonor to the office. Uh Uh-oh. Right? We can do both. Without discerning the spirit, we authorize confusion. We authorize confusing, confusing spirits. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 33, it says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That word confusion in the Greek is akatastasia. And it is the instability, the disturbance, upheaval, revolution. It's almost anarchy, first in the political sphere and then in the moral sphere. It cannot stand, remain steady. It's instability, bringing on disorder or disturbance, things being out of control, up for grabs. And this uncertainty generates more instability. You see, the spirit of confusion consistently generates instability in your life. And confusion is a form of the spirit of witchcraft. When the spirit of witchcraft is in operation, it breeds confusion. You ever been around somebody that every time they come into a room, come into a meeting, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at church, maybe it's within your family. They come to a family function. They come into the boardroom for a meeting, and all of a sudden, there's great confusion. They don't even have to say anything, but you feel confusion and anxiety and fear, and you can't get your thoughts together, and what's happening? That's a spirit. It's not a coincidence. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of witchcraft. James chapter four, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse 16 in the Amplified says this, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, confusion, unrest, and rebellion. And every evil thing and morally degrading practice. Ah. Jealousy and pride are evil twins. They go hand in hand together. In just 150 short years, 157 years, we have gone from President Abraham Lincoln Lincoln declaring a day of humility 
and fasting over our nation to call out to God to turn his heart to us, to President Biden declaring a month of pride. This isn't about loving or hating a group of people. This is about a spirit. And the spirit of pride and jealousy will breed disorder, confusion, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. See, we live in a society where victimhood and pride and covetousness and jealousy, the idea that I deserve what everybody else has is no longer discerned as the evil things that they are. These traits are now viewed as righteous and just. These are things that people are seeking after today. I've got a warning for you. Don't think that just because you're saved and you're raising your children in the house of God that the demonic spirit of moral confusion won't affect you and your family. You need this gift of discernment. I see this all the time in families. We see this where Mom and dad have raised their children with a certain set of morals and values, and then one of their children come to them and say, um, I've decided not to get married, but to live with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. Our children come to them and says, Mom, Dad, I'm actually not the sex that I was born as. I'm going to transition to a different sex. Or they come to them and they come out and they say, I'm actually homosexual and, and this is the lifestyle that I'm going to pursue. And what happens? We've seen it in politicians. We've seen it in preachers. We've seen it in the house of God over and over again. You will hear from parents and they will say, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, they'll say things like, well, now that I have life experience, I've changed my mind. Why? Because the undiscerning believe that the Bible is a book of suggestions and not commandments. But if you take the Bible seriously, there is no changing your mind. You are called to have the mind of Christ. Listen, if your convictions only do what people want you to do, then you don't have convictions. I'm going to say that again over here. If your convictions only cause you to do what other people want you to do, you don't have convictions. Don't claim that you do when your biggest conviction is actually not to be disliked by people. You can't be a leader, you can't be a preacher, you can't be a parent, you can't be a teacher if your greatest desire is for people to like you. I don't change my convictions because I love my child. If anything, I stand strong on those convictions. And I'm not telling anybody in this room to disown children. That's evil, it's wrong, don't do it. I'm not telling anybody to cut people out of your life and disown them and and dishonor people and make fun of them and run them down and refuse to talk to them. No, we are called to walk in the love of Jesus with the mercy and the grace of the Father. But we don't change our convictions and what the word of God says out of some perverted view of love. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days, some will turn away from true faith. That means that there's a false faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from who? Demons. 
Discerning the spirits keeps you from being deceived by demonic spirits. It says that in the last days, some will turn away from true faith. What does that mean? It means that they were in the true faith. That means you and me. The Bible is warning us that those that are sitting in the house of God, that bask in the glory and presence of the Lord, that bring their children into God's presence, that some will turn away from that true faith and will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Why? Because they don't have discernment. The spirit of confusion is rampant because we don't want to judge and judge rightly. We see it played out on our national stage. We have, uh, uh, we have uh, uh, congressional hearings to nominate the next Supreme Court justice. Justice Kentanji Brown, one of the most learned, educated, and intelligent women on the face of the earth. She's brilliant. She's also a believer in Jesus. She claims to be a believer, and I, I believe her. Believe that she's a Christian and loves the Lord. You can see it on her. She cries out to God. She was asked in that hearing if she can define a woman, and she said no. She wasn't asked if she could define Pythagorean's theory. She, asked, can, she was asked, can you define a woman? And she said no. And the senators that were asking her questions were confused. Wait a second. What do you mean no? Are you a woman? Well, she said, I'm not a biologist. And we laugh because it deserves mockery. But folks, it's a spirit. This is not a stupid person. This is not an evil person. This is a learned, educated, God-fearing believer in Jesus who has been turned away from the true faith and is following demonic spirits that are teaching her lies. Confusion keeps you from knowing God and the things of God. The spirit of confusion will keep you from pursuing God and pursuing the things of God. It will keep you from learning about the Lord. Confusion will keep you from the pursuit of the Father. I want to talk tonight just, a brief, just briefly about how to combat the spirit of confusion in your life. Listen, you are, as a believer in Christ, as a faith-filled believer, you are not searching for certainty. You are searching for clarity. When Nikki and I were preparing, preparing to move to Waco and God had spoken to us, and we've been stewarding this word for over a year, just carrying it in our spirit and walking out our, the season before and leaving that season was very difficult. And we tried to leave with honor and, 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 and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he spoke to me and told me the date that we could move to Waco, gave me this date. And when we were moving, we, didn't have, we had a certain amount of money that would pay our bills for a certain amount of time, and it wasn't a long time. And God told me to move, and I didn't have a job. Listen, all I've been doing is, is in ministry. I've been singing, leading worship for 20 years. I don't know how to do nothing. <laughs> Somebody said something the other day. I said, you have talent. I don't have any talent. There's a difference. I mean, I can, I can sing a worship song, praise God. But that's not exactly 
marketable, right? So I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? And I went and got my real estate license and I was coming and, and I was, I, the Lord told me which real estate agency to go to and that they would hire me and that's what I would do. And they wouldn't return my calls. And I said, Lord, maybe I didn't hear you. And I was getting ready to contact another one. And he said, nope, that's the one. And so we move here, no job, no income just a certain amount of time left. But we moved because we had clarity from the Lord. But it was filled with uncertainty. You see, a lot of Christian believers are searching for certainty. You've heard a clear word from God, but you won't obey until you're certain as to what will happen. Ah. You see, the Bible says that anything not done in faith is sin. God will never give you a certain path. Your path will always require that you step out in faith or what? Uncertainty. You see, the search for certainty leads to confusion. So a lot of believers think that they are searching for clarity, but really we're searching for for certainty, and it has led to a spirit of confusion to run into our lives. That's why people say, God's called me over here. And then when you go to make that step, you don't get the job and it doesn't work out. You say, well, maybe God called me over here. Then you go over here and it doesn't work out and things fall apart. And you go, well, maybe God called me right over here. Then you go over here and it doesn't work out. And you're continuing to search for certainty when God said, wait a second, a year and a half ago, I gave you clarity. And you left clarity in the, in the search of certainty. And what has happened? You've ended up in the land of confusion. You see, what you're really searching for is for a walk that requires no faith. And your walk with the Lord will always require big, bold, scary steps of faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. You will have to have hope without seeing what may happen. But it's your choice whether we partner with the spirit of confusion or not. And tonight, I want to challenge you to give up your right for certainty. Give up your right to be certain. There are many things that can breed confusion in our life. I talked earlier about the spirit of Jezebel. The Jezebel spirit operates in the spirit of confusion. You ever had a conversation with somebody and you were so clear as to what God had told you to do. You loved this house. You loved the church. You loved the house of God. You loved the person you were with, your spouse. It happens within marriages. It happens within families. You're feeling great. You've got clarity from God. You have one conversation and all of a sudden you're walking in confusion. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're confused. You don't understand. Well, you know what? I I always felt something was off. No, you didn't. The devil's a liar and so are you. 15 minutes ago, you were as clear and happy as can be. You had one conversation with what? The spirit of Jezebel and confusion has entered into your life. Some of us are plugged into a steady diet of the media, which are the false prophets of confusion of our day. We have put our children into institutions of confusion that are instilling instilling confusion into their lives. 
We are, we, are, we are sending our children out to educational institutions for eight hours a day that are telling them that they're victims, that are telling them that, that the world is out to get them, that are telling them that they need to explore their queerness, that are asking them, what's your pronoun today, little Timmy, little, little Susie? What do you want to be today? Why? We are sending our children into dens of confusion. We are living in moral and sexual confusion. We have cartoons that are being that are being released today that some of you in this room will take your children to watch why because you are undiscerning i saw an interview with one of the stars of this new movie that has the first same-sex kiss in a disney film and they were asking him what he felt about the controversy and he was furious He's the star, Chris Evans, and he said, I'm furious. I can't believe that this is a controversy. I can't wait until one day this becomes normal. Because the goal of the spirit is to normalize all forms of sexual depravity. Not just same-sex sexual depravity, all forms of immorality. The spirit of confusion uh, tries to prevent us and bring fear into our lives to make what are normative biblical Christian standards and statements like marriage is between one man and one woman because we even in the house of God have conflated moral clarity with legality. And just because something's legal in America does not make it lawful in the kingdom. We are so confused that we have believers that believe that their pets are children. That have conflated, no, no, that have conflated the value of humans with animals. That's a spirit of confusion. We have PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, that has a, that has a nationwide campaign and billboards all around the country that say Holocaust on your plate. And you go to their website and they explicitly state that the Holocaust, the murder of six million Jews, is morally equivalent to the killing of chickens so that you can have food. Why? Because there's a spirit of confusion. We have churches and pastors and ministers and believers that are afraid to say abortion is wrong. Always, 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 that it is never okay. We have people that are going OBGYNs, the, the most accomplished specialist physicians in the specialty of women's health, testifying before Congress that men can have abortions. Why? Because we have a spirit of confusion. The church is confused because we cannot discern between the spirits. You see, many within the house of God have aligned a good, with a good cause that has a foul spirit. We have so many leaders within the house of God that jump on the next cause. They are chasing after the mob. What is the thing I'm supposed to be angry about this, I was going to say month, now it's gone to week. This week, it's changing constantly. What am I supposed to be mad about? What color am I supposed to put a square on my page this month? And how am I supposed to scream about this? And, and they are aligning with what may be a good cause, but the spirit behind it is foul. 
Romans chapter 1 verse 32 says, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things are worthy of death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those practice, those who practice them. So we have people within the house of God who know these things are evil. Not only do they continue to do them, they approve of the people that do. The purpose of confusion is to get you to come into partnership with the lies of, our, of today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. You see, the enemy operates in power, in signs, and in lying wonders. A lying wonder is the introduction of a lie through the spirit of confusion. We see it all the way back at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan came to Eve and he said, did God really say? We've got a lot of people in the house of God that sit in judgment for Eve. I've heard it all my life. I can't wait to walk up to Eve when I get to heaven and tell her off. And yet we are listening to the voice of that same serpent asking us, did God really say? And before we answer him, we check the temperature of the room. We see which way the wind is blowing in society today before I can answer the question, did God really say? That's why you have spiritual leaders who are on daytime television shows and they are asked their stances on same-sex marriage or other issues of morality and they say, well, I'm not here to judge and my opinions are shifting and evolving and changing over time. Did God really say? There are some things that we as believers have given up our right to have an opinion about. But we have surrendered in the war on truth. So much so that in many houses of worship, truth has become controversial. Pastor Landon talked about it a few weeks ago, and I experienced it myself on social media. People reach out, thank you for preaching the truth. Thank you for preaching the truth. My question is, what else are we supposed to be preaching? But we have believers who are getting wisdom from people who, who have to give you their pronouns before they speak. Ah, and you're buying their books and you're listening to their podcasts and we're going on their YouTubes and we're quoting them in our stories and we're getting wisdom from people who are liars and who are consumed by a spirit of confusion. Why? Because we don't have discernment. Your confusion does not overrule biblical truth. Church family, you are not a bad or hateful person for standing on the truth of God's word. Listen to this. That spirit does not want your tolerance. That is a lie. Ah. The spirit wants your mind. You see, the spirit and these people and this, the spirit that are in operation of these people have been telling us, pick the topic for years. I've heard it for decades now. We just want tolerance. We just want tolerance. We just want tolerance. And now it's gone from we want tolerance to what? Silence is violence. You're no longer allowed to just sit silently by and tolerate the depravity. You must vocally support it. 
The spirit doesn't want your tolerance. It wants you to celebrate the sin. I can't believe that it takes courage today to say that there are two genders. And if you reject that truth, you're rejecting the truth of the word of God. And everybody in this room goes, yes, there are only two genders. But what about when I say the truth is that you're called as a believer to tithe? What about when we talk about the truth is that you can't be sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend because sex is set aside by God to be between a husband and a wife. You see, the assault on God's word is an assault on God himself. There is only one way to God and it is through Jesus, but good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And this is the assault. This is the crux. This is the thing that that spirit is trying to prevent. The truth of the word of God. The truth of Matthew chapter 7 verse, verse 13. This is entered by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many. The truth of John chapter 4 verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in what? truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him you see we we chase after the spirit and the feelings and and we chase after the the thrill and the spirit but we also need to be chasing after the truth let's go back to our story in acts chapter 13 the book of acts is the book that describes the early church and this story is about a missionary trip of paul and barnabas Cyprus was the city that they were going to. It was fabled to be the place of birth of the goddess Venus. It was a holy city for these people. And Paphos was a city just west of that island. And this was the Roman capital where the governor resided. Sergius Paulus was the governor and he was described as an intelligent, a wise, and a learned man. He was a man of influence and he was surrounded by witchcraft and demonic activity. Alamus was a sage, a title describing his claims to wisdom and supernatural powers. He was known for his sorcery. Maievo is the, the, the word uh, sorcery means, is, is the word maievo in the Greek. It means to practice magic. We see it in Exodus, Exodus chapter 7 with Pharaoh's magicians and Jan Daniel chapter 1 and 2 with the king's wise men. The Greek means merely that he astonished or amazed or confused the people's judgment. To be amazed and to be afraid of him. Let's go there in verse 7 of Acts chapter 13. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Alemus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. You see, the spirit of confusion keeps people from believing in the one true and living God. That spirit had attached itself to an influential man to prevent Paul and Barnabas from doing what? Expanding territory. 
So Paul and Barnabas were expanding territory and going where God had told them to go and went to meet with the influential man. And that expansion of territory was met with resistance. Resistance to do what? To prevent them from getting into a place of influence. You see, demonic resistance doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It means you're doing something right. Some of you have been experiencing resistance and the enemy has convinced you that it means you're doing something wrong when it may just mean you are expanding territory. Do not retreat. Do not give up. Do not give silent. Lean into the resistance. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the Holy Spirit to this place of influence. You see, Satan has a special, is in a special way busy with great men and women of God, or great men and women, period, that are in powerful places to prevent them from becoming religious or prevent them from becoming believers because their example will influence many. So as we are discerning the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness, we also need to remember to pray for the people that are in positions of great authority or influence in our society. Ask God to break the demonic hold that is trying to prevent them from receiving Jesus. Acts chapter 13 verse 9 says, Saul, also known as Paul, was what? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. What happened? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to operate in the gift of discerning between the spirits. Goes on in verse 10 to say, then he said, you son of the devil. I love Paul full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? You see, we have, uh, we've got a bunch of Christians that are yelling at bold pastors and saying, you should be nicer. Why are you so mean? You ought to be nicer. Listen, if you have to appease people to buy their love, it is not love. But we're so focused on being nice to the purveyors of lies that we are being cruel to their victims. We have bought in the body of Christ this idea that turn the other cheek applies to evil agendas throughout our society. And it doesn't mean turn the other cheek in individual confrontations. You see, we've taken the admonition from Jesus that when you are in an individual fight to turn the other cheek and we have applied it to society as a whole. And we have used the commandments of Jesus as an excuse to be cowards in the face of evil. We have leaders in the body of Christ say, I'm just turning the other cheek when that's never what Jesus meant. Yet in interpersonal relationships, they stand their ground. Ah, what is it? It's a spirit of confusion. You see, you can't turn the cheek of someone else. In our society today, transgendered youth have doubled in the past five years alone. 15.9% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ and only 9% of millennials and just over 3% of the generation before that. You see, we don't treat evil, demonic agendas the same way that we treat individuals, but we in the body of Christ are too busy turning the cheek of other people 
and refusing to stand for righteousness and justice. We don't turn the cheek to demons. We stand boldly and proclaim the truth. Children of the devil are the ones who embrace the father of lies. I got a warning. I'm going to pastor you. Actually, I'm going to let the word pastor you. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. In verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning, say practice of sinning. This doesn't mean you made a mistake. It means you made a conscious decision to, leave a, to live a lifestyle of sin. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Who makes a practice of sinning? No one born of God. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. The enemies of righteousness are the enemies of Jesus. <sighs> But we in the church have longed for the approval of the enemies of righteousness. We want to be in community with believers and we want to be friendly with the enemies of righteousness. We say things like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and listen I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings I know I'm up here preaching bold I'm actually a really nice guy <laughs> right babe and I really love people my children go can we please just leave the grocery store without you talking to everybody <laughs> like know their whole life story and the other day I had my hand around, arm around a guy and he's like telling me about his kids I love people and I love sinners and I love people who are bound by homosexuality and I love people who are gossips and slanderers and I love people who are liars and cheaters and thieves. I love them because Jesus loved them. I love them. Every insane video that we've been seeing of, of people half-dressed dancing sexually before children, those are men and women created in the image and likeness of God who Jesus gave his life for. And if you don't love them, get down to this altar and ask God to forgive you. I love them, but I will not stand by and look for the approval of the enemies of righteousness. You see, love is a lot of things. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrong. It always trusts, always hopes, always protects. Love never fails. Love's a lot of things, but it is not silent. Love does not stand by on the side of the road when just ahead the bridge is out that will lead to eternal death and damnation and hold signs rainbow colored telling people how much we love them and support them. Love will risk its life to stop the car. 
love will lay down in the middle of the street and climb on top of the roof and beg and plead and bleed and get beat up and get hit and get spit on and get cursed out and be told how hateful they are to tell the truth because family, people are sick and tired of the lies. Because as appealing as the enemy makes the lie look and feel and taste and smell, it is still a lie. And eventually that cry for truth will come out of the spirits of people. Just like the sorcerer in the Bible, we have this same spirit trying to interfere with people encountering God, making the straight ways crooked, preaching a perverted worldly justice. In verse 11, we see what happens. And Paul says, watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him because those who partner with the spirit of confusion end up spiritually blind. But when we begin to operate in the gift of discerning between the spirits, the spirit of confusion loses its hold We see this happen in the very next verse. It says, when the governor saw what happened, what did the governor see happen? The governor saw Paul step out in boldness and righteousness and call out those that had aligned with unrighteousness. Paul was not looking for the sorcerer's approval. Paul did not need the sorcerer to like him. Paul said, I will risk humiliation and imprisonment to tell the truth. And because of that great act of love and kindness, the governor's eyes were opened to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Because discerning between the spirits expands spiritual territory. Everybody to close your eyes. Ask yourself this question. What spirits are in operation in my life? Pastor Jordan gave me a word a few weeks ago said that the Lord spoke to him and said that no voice would interrupt my thoughts except for the voice of the Holy Spirit because I have felt swirling around me and others in leadership I felt a spirit of confusion just swirling I felt a spirit of confusion some of you maybe have felt that in your own life just confusion that voice of the enemy did God really say And the reason is because the the confused hate the clear and the fearful hate the bold. Because our clarity will reveal that spirit of confusion. And as a church, our boldness will will reveal their passivity. And this spirit thrives 
in confusion and fear. And so the enemy wants to prevent you from walking in clarity and in boldness. But I believe that the same word Pastor Jordan had for me is for this entire house. In the name of Jesus, come on, just posture your heart to receive. No voice will interrupt your thoughts except for the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you are in the presence of God, every other spirit must leave. So, Father, we invite your presence. Come on, we invite your presence, Lord.